0: down the Harland Highway. Alright, hold tight on the Harland Highway show. Harland Williams. But
1: alright, all right, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Here's the theme music. You are on the Harland Highway podcast. Yeah, point to it. Feel free to point. You wanna to touch it? No. You can touch you wanna to I don't wanna knock something it down. Finger bang it. I don't wanna it. Finger bang the logo, Dane. <laughs> oh yeah you just went to third base with my logo oh you dirty heavy petting man you you just finger fucked the logo is this that some, is that a first
0: gr- this looks great i've never finger fucked a logo before just but did, this looks guy. great man and i'm very happy to be this here wild this Isn't is this exciting wild? to be with you harland
1: it's exciting to be with you we've got a lot of history and we're gonna get into it a little bit today we should but uh before we start anything and I know, I know you. Is this a, an
0: ad? Is this ad placement no, already? It could before be before we
1: start. It could be for you. Here's my very first <laughs> question because I've always wondered, and I know. I, I don't even know the answer, but You have a question that you don't know the answer to. I don't know We've the known answer. each other
0: for millennials. I know. Millenniums.
1: Aren't, it's not a group a long of pe- people. Aren't I think millennials. That, I think that's kids. what they call the
0: next yeah, like we're not a part of that apparently.
1: Well then let's take what we know okay. what we are and yeah. ram it into a
0: brick wall <laughs> and a van. How let's about ram the, it into this. Let's ram it into a and logo. Oh I'll, I'll finger diddle it. <laughs> you
1: know, you, God, you're almost like a priest. The way you did that, it was very priestly,
0: bro. But I will forgive you of your sins. <laughs> I will in this forgive regard. thee of thy love. All right, stop doing I that. Know, That's it's getting true. it's funky. Oh, smell your fingers. Why did you paint it? No, it's got logo taint. No, mine oh. smells like the moisturizer that I use before oh, okay, I came. Okay. Wait, you have a question for me? Yeah. That I'm, I'm. This is breaking okay. news because I think that we know yeah. each other very well. Go but ahead. But this
1: is something I don't know. What is a Dane Cook? Cologne like. Like, you know, all these celebrities make a scent. What's your scent? Like, if you could slap together ingredients. Okay. What does this Dane cook, and what's the name of the
0: fucking thing? Okay, first of all, it's called Splash.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, little Daryl Hannah.
0: <laughs> I'm not done yet. It's Splash and Dash. It's <laughs> the name of the set. Splash. And when you first put on, yeah. it's got like it's got mint. There's a bit of a mint, <laughs> yeah. and then it kind of almost like uh, it almost subsides into like a, a Cold Stone Creamery, wow. uh, t- cake batter with Oreo kind of mix. Wow. It would have to change as the day goes on because that's really what people think of me is I'm a random individual, yeah. and so the scent would have to probably coincide with my...
1: Dude, Jeffrey Dahmer would eat you in about a minute with that stink on you.
0: <laughs> have you watched that, by the way? <laughs> I started Can we to... not talk about that? We <laughs> can I, was... t- I
1: just, I tuned out, man. I can't, no. It was, it was like, it just it got boring because it was like, why am I supporting this creep?
0: It was really, yeah, it was... It was unsettling to a point where you really couldn't uh, enjoy eating uh, your meal, which I probably should have done at the beginning of Oh, you were eating
1: while you're watching Dahmer? Yeah. yeah, and I'm a
0: meat eater. And so I had myself oh. a little steak over there from Boa. And I found myself cutting really? into it at, at, at exactly the right wrong time, just to get into the theme of the show. Did you dress your steak
1: up with like, in a little outfit and then undo it? And this like maybe was like a, like a little
0: human or something. I I would uh, no. It was it was nude when it hit the plate. It was nude. Okay. <laughs> Freshly right. shame Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it's splash and dash. Look for it. It's yeah. going to be this. This fall, which is Uh, we're in, it'll be out in about 10 minutes at uh, Macy's Men's Store, Splash and Dash.
1: Well, I'm going to tell you what's in mine, but I'll let you name it because I don't have a name for mine. I like that. But I think mine has a little, because I like to be dangerous. Mm -hmm. So mine is speaking of cereal. I have a little hint of Charles Manson. Okay. Maybe a a little hint of uh, (laughs) lasagna. Mm-hmm. And then maybe, have you ever sniffed a roller coaster seat at, Do- at Dollywood? Like, have you ever put your nose down? I have, down not, I have
0: <sighs> not had that experience yet. But I think uh, by proxy, I I've, I've kind of know the, yeah. the pungent yeah, wafting yeah. that you're talking about when people are getting off the, the ride.
1: Is pungent a, a race of people, by the way? Or is that no. just a word?
0: No, that's uh, pygmies. Like,
1: <laughs> pygmy. okay. Well, that, I'm going to, can I add that to it? <laughs> yeah. So, Charles Manson lasagna. Yeah. The Stink of a Roller Coaster scene at Dollywood. Okay. And pigmy Reek. Okay. And what's it called? Can you name it for me?
0: Yeah. We're going to think about that. Uh, we're going to call that... Uh, we're going to call that... Um, uh, it's like, I think I have the first part of it. Wait, it's called... Uh, fuck! It's called fuck? No. Okay. No, no. It's called, it's called. Cause I like that name. Because um, I have something around the Manson. It's called uh, like Fist Jim fist McGillicuddy is what it's called.
1: Fist Jim McGillicuddy. Yeah. Fist Jim
0: McGillicuddy. Wow. Is the name of the set. So it's got a little Scottish in it. <laughs> a little Manson. Wow. Because you know his oh, real yeah. last name was McGillicutty. Manson was? McGillicuddy. No, dude, no, of course Holy not. Holy fuck. First rule of improv, man. Oh, dude. <laughs> wow. Manson McGillicuddy and his dad actually owned the, the amusement park with the it's Hollywood. Yeah. So and oh. he was an investor, early investor. Okay. And everybody knows that you'd get off the roller coaster and you would eat. Lasagna, lasagna. At, the, at the place called yeah. the Lasagna Pop Up Stand, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. and sniff the seeds. <laughs> sniff the seeds. What's the worst thing you've ever sniffed in your life? I don't even know why I'm asking, but it just. Pop- What's the worst stink you've ever walked in? When I first
0: lived out in L.A., a yeah. buddy of mine let me crash on his futon on Gower um gower and vine and and i asked him one time i said how long have you been sleeping on this futon he's like for years and i did you ever wash it and he goes smell it and tell me and i made the mistake of just like putting my face right on it and going no and i can't even describe like i think i traveled through time went back and just like tried to stop myself from doing that (laughs) but it just didn't work
1: when (laughs) something stinks so bad it makes you time travel yeah that's a stink
0: bro. yeah you want to go back and save yourself from smelling it in the first place Wow. This imagine sounds like a movie we should write.
1: We should write. We should, I mean, can you <laughs> write imagine shit out of it. <laughs> one of your uncles at Thanksgiving dinner farts so bad that you time travel? Like, it, it stinks so bad you go back and see a stegosaurus in the Paleozoic era.
0: What is it about uncles that they're always the ones that we pin all the grossest, creepiest, most fucked up shit on, right? It's yeah. never your aunt in that story. Yeah. It's never a cousin. Yeah. It's the uncle. And he's got, he's got, he's got like, you know, there's always, whatever the ailments are, whatever the creepiness yeah we always refer, even in stand up it's always like somebody's got a, 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 a oh. uncle. And you know what? I'm an uncle. So let's knock that shit off. All right. Let's train Let's change the stigma.
1: Well, are you an uncle though?
0: I'm an uncle and I have we're nothing but uncles. love in my heart. Yeah. But and I don't fart at the fucking dinner table. I
1: don't know. Do you have you? I d- what
0: else do you got on the question list? Can I tell you once <laughs> I did a I did an
1: indie movie yeah. called Family Tree, and it was all about the family coming home for Thanksgiving. Okay, and we had a scene where everyone's at the dining room table. Oh, like no. it was like eighteen people. Okay, turkey. The set was dressed, and I was the guy over at the side, like getting the cutlery and bringing it to the table. Yeah. And I had built up like a giant whopper, and I just let it rip. In the scene. In the scene. But they didn't
0: know, or they did hear it?
1: They they didn't know, but I lost it. I started laughing, so I had to reshoot. Oh, my God. But I did it on purpose. It was really mean. I had a
0: gig about 15 years ago that whatever I ate beforehand, when I got on stage, my stomach was doing like topsy-turvy. And I just kept crop dusting. My own stage, and and people were sitting there like watching the show. (laughs) And they were, I could tell that they were like, it was like the most sour smelling. Air biscuit that I'd ever <laughs> that even when I was walking back and forth I didn't even want to walk back through it so I would stay over here and do wow. some wow yeah it was pretty it was pretty gnarly
1: you just pretended you were working the stage but you were trying to stay away from your own but I walked
0: but I watched as other people were getting angry at the people around them trying to figure out who's doing this dude
1: I did I be honest I've done it too I've yeah. even seen people in the front row just go. They they do that like epileptic seizure face, like they just got hit by a van and their their
0: nerve got on the on the Harlan Highway. On the Harlan Highway, hey Hey, logo love logo
1: rape. Um, So speaking of movies, dude, before we get too deep into this, let's tell everyone
0: where we're going with this. Yeah,
1: we we um we have a long history, not only in stand up, right? Like we have a long history in stand up that predated movies right but one of the highlights in my career and I know yours because it was your first starring movie right you you were the lead in a movie called employee of the month with yep. Jessica Simpson and then I and got Dax Shepard Dax Shepard and then I got cast in it and Andy Dick and we had the f- most fun on that movie um can but I've always, you know I've never even asked you this what was the process that that movie came to you? Because you were you were hot as all hell, and you were probably getting thrown different scripts, or were you, or was this? the There was one? two
0: movies I've been off, only two movies okay. at that time, yeah. And it was both Lionsgate, and they came to me and they said, "We we you know believe that you're building this fan base and that your fans would like to see you in films." Yeah, I was already knowing if I could do anything, I was like, "I'd love to do an ensemble piece because I thought then it's not all on you if yeah. it tanks." And it'd be fun, right? Because like you don't know how many, you know, step up to the plate moments you might get doing movies. Stand up is different. Yeah. And so they handed me two scripts. And one was Employee of the Month that Greg Coolidge was gonna direct. And I read that and I was like, Oh, there's like really charming and with the right cast, I think it could be funnier. Yeah, Yeah. And the other one was called Beer Fest.
1: Oh yeah, the guys who did uh, the cop—the what's that cop movie? The Lizard Brothers.
0: Uh, yeah, they yeah. So they had they had offered me that. I don't remember the role. Yeah, and because I don't drink, and yeah. I, that was never my forte. I know my stand-up fans kind of thought like, oh, I could sell that because yeah. I talk about all that stuff. Yeah. But to me, the third active employee of the month, when it said the thing about the obstacle course and, like, the whole thing with, like, the final competition between my character and, and, and Dax's Vince, yeah. it reminded me, like, Meatballs in those yeah, movies yeah, yeah. that we grew up watching, like, right. Meatballs or even, like, a Cannonball Run or Stripes. It had a real kind of, like, just silliness to it yeah. that I thought could be a blast. So I took that. And yeah. and then they started asking me who were the kinds of people that you would like to work with. Yeah. You were already pretty bonafide at that point. You'd had like big movies, your stand up was already you were, I didn't think I would get that opportunity f- that yeah. to work with you there, but I was so psyched when you jumped on board that because yeah. by rights you were looking that you had your own shit going on yeah. and then you're like this looks like it'd be a blast just to be able to participate this and like kick around some laughs and, and next thing you know, when you said yes, we were all in Albuquerque shooting that over a couple of months. It yeah. was so cool, man. It was so fun.
1: Well, I gotta tell you, a big part of it was because of you, because of our history doing stand up together. Doing stand-up, we, yeah. we 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 had spent so much time yeah. in the stand-up world. So when I got invited to the party to be in the movie, I was like, let's go. Yeah. But the the other the other script, it was the the guys who created super troopers. Right. But that's the Lizard Brothers did, yeah. did the, the Beer Fest thing. That's right.
0: Wow. Hilarious guys. And that script yeah. was was great, yeah. but it just didn't feel like it didn't feel like me as yeah. much. As, you know, it was like, all right, that's like Animal House-ish.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
0: Employee of the Month. There was like a charm about it that I remember yeah. thinking like you know what? This is a great way if it works to ease into yeah. doing film stuff. So I think you made the right choice. I did too. Somebody the other day said to me, "I was like, Andy Cohen. You know Andy Cohen." Yeah. He goes, uh, "How does it feel being in a bad movie? Employee of the month?" And I was like, I, gotta, I go, "I got to tell you something, Andy." I said, "People talk about that movie to this day, yeah. the way we would talk about what we would consider a movie we love that might have been a bad like." Teen Wolf was probably a bad movie, yeah. You know, or like One Crazy Summer was probably considered a bad movie, but these were the things that we watched and loved. There was yeah, something, right, right. And so I told him, I go, like, I go, dude, like, think what you want, but that movie has legs. I go, trust me, I know the bad movies I'm in. Yeah. We don't know them. Yeah, <laughs> no, nobody's it's a, talking about. It's them. a
1: good movie. It's it's a fun, it, good movie. Like again, I I can easily point to ones I don't like or that are stinkers. Yeah. but that that one. It's got a great story. It's charming. It's got lots of yeah. funny bits in it. it it's I'm got trying a to get a ensemble. sequel made.
0: Oh, you are? I, I am because That'll I mean be Lion, Lionsgate owns it, and I pocketed. And I would not want to make a sequel to any other movie that I made. But yeah. the thing about that one that seems obvious to me is if Dax and I, because Dax obviously in his own right, his career is great. He's got his yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. He works a lot. And you go, we could now be the the dads <laughs> of the kids that are working down at that you know store. And train them for their employees. It's like we're like the coaches in their corner. That gives us the chance to come back and, you know, go at it again. And I I think that there's a story in there that could be a lot of fun if they ever wanted to make it, but it's Lionsgates.
1: Well, I remember at one point they were talking about making it into a TV series after we did the movie. Yeah. And then that never happened and then now there's this show on T V called um Supercenter or something. Oh, that's something. right. Yeah, yeah.
0: There, there was like a version of exactly, a big box. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's
1: exactly what I we never did.
0: saw it, but I saw like a promo and they are all in like blue. Yeah. It, and I thought, okay, that's kinda close to
1: super close.
0: Did that do did did it do well? It's
1: been on for like, oh, it's on. like four or five years. It might I don't know if it's still on, okay. but it, it's like it's current. It's, it's always recent. It's,
0: it's always a nice thing when something that is is in real time popular, it tells you how busy you are. I remember in the in, yeah. in the whole nineties being so busy that somebody once said, Do you like friends? And I was like, I've never I've never seen it because Thursday nights was a good club night to be at the At a comedy club. A comedy club. Or even Seinfeld. It was like, I didn't see it till years later, some reruns. Me too. Right? That era, we were just working. Oh, we were working like
1: crazy. The only reason I really knew about Friends is because at that time, my girlfriend was the best friend of Jennifer Aniston. So I was going up and sleeping at Jennifer Aniston's house every night.
0: True or false, did Jennifer Aniston work at the Laugh Factory for a few weeks before that pilot got picked up? Because Masada says that she worked down there, or the rumor is she worked there for a little bit. I don't
1: think so. The only time she We're going to
0: say false.
1: I'm going to say false. I think the only time she was in there was maybe she came in to see me, or I think I brought her in once to help serve... When when Jamie did the Thanksgiving oh, that's dinners. Right. Okay. And I brought I think I brought her in to help serve.
0: Okay. So maybe in some regard she worked at the laugh factory. Maybe that was for it. Just a few yeah. Minutes. She
1: did a charity two hours serving <laughs> okay. food to
0: people. But right.
1: um but but she but that's yeah, it's the same thing. And then um you mentioned like not drinking and doing drugs and I had the same dilemma when I did Half Baked. I did this movie Half Baked about, that's right. about dope. Chappelle
0: smoking, Brewer.
1: Brewer, all these and, and I was a guy who didn't participate in... I rarely drank, right. rarely ever smoked weed. And so I turned that movie down several times. But um, I ended up kind of having the same dilemma you had, where it's like, that's not my scene. I can't relate. And it was... I, I said no to them many times. It was my managers that said, Hey, Harland, you, you, know, you were a serial killer and something about Mary. You were this, you were that. It's like, yeah. it's just acting. And I right. kind of went... Yeah, I guess
0: it is. And that movie has become definitely a cult classic. Yeah. Oh, right? Yeah. You can't, like, anybody who brings up Chappelle, I'm sure you get it all the time, too. People just, like, hold on to that movie. That's one of oh, those yeah. ones that, that... that. And you were hilarious in that movie. Because oh, I remember I, when I saw yeah. it, I wanted to be in it. Because I knew oh, Dave yeah. from New York. And I was oh. vying to... I, I think I even wrote Dave, like, a whatever, an e- email or maybe it was a letter. It was saying, like, yeah. hey, if there's anything I could do to help out, I just... We've been working together in New York and I'm a fan and I did read the script. I had a manager at the time and I remember being like, oh, this is going to be a lot of fun. And when I finally saw it, I was like, you knocked it out of the park in there. Part of the reason I wanted to work with you too, employee because I was like, I just know Harlan's going to make scenes funnier. And I think that if you have, we looked at, I've seen a few of the uh, outtakes over the years. There's so much funny shit. That you lose because you're telling story, but like man, you were you were on fire that whole shoot. You killed it.
1: We had a laugh. Yeah, and it's one of the few movies I've only had two movies where I've lost it, where I couldn't act because I was laughing. Right. And Andy Dick (laughs) was in that movie, and he had they gave him these coke (laughs) bottle glasses, so his eyes were this big. Yeah. And I remember we were in the scene when we're up in our little clubhouse we built. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. The forklift would take us up to some hidden... Yeah, yeah, and
1: the scene was you were telling us that you had (laughs) fallen for Jessica Simpson and you're going to take her out. And we were sitting in there and and we were all there and Andy was to my left side and the minute I just looked (laughs) at him, dude... I broke out laughing. Yeah. I I remember they were getting mad cuz I couldn't do the fucking scene. And do
0: you remember Andy got basically arrested in the last uh, week of filming? <sighs>
1: Poor Andy. So Andy Andy is just Andy's one of these guys. He's just wired to be a wild man. He's mm. the he's funny as hell. But the Very way funny. the way Brett Favre or Tom Brady is wired to be an all-star quarterback. Andy was just—he's wired to be a wild man—and so they were a little nervous about having him on the movie. <laughs> right. And I remember he told me this. He goes, he goes, hey, if you behave yourself the whole shoot, we'll have you on this movie. So for the first half, he was like an angel. Amazing. Went to his room at night and drink, didn't yeah. do anything, and then at right about the halfway mark. The wheels fell off, yeah. and Andy was just a wild man. So what
0: he did was he basically like ran through the store one day um, when we weren't filming. Oh, we were in a giant Costco, by and, the way. And yeah. He, and he like, uh, and, and again, I love Andy, yeah, but he too. like assaulted He's, somebody. He he well, like, we an, did. well, he tra- I think he thought he was being funny by fake tackling people or whatever he was doing. And oh they- yeah,
1: there were some scenes where he was behind me and he was pushing me we, where we were <laughs> running and. Because I'm a big guy and I'm a hockey player, I can handle it. But in yeah. my head, I'm like, "This guy's well, nuts." Well, he
0: pushed a like he pushed a stranger, and he might have even like inappropriately touched. It was something where they came to me, the producers, and said, "Oh wow, a- a- Andy, Andy's in trouble." Wow, and he's going to have to have a police officer Remember. for the remaining scenes. And here's my image of Andy, and this is hilarious, even though it was kind of sad. It would be a two shot of like say you and Andy. Or Andy and somebody else, and people didn't know that right off the side of the camera frame was a cop.
1: Yeah, so it was something like it, the cop had to be within twenty feet of him, e-
0: even closer. Yeah, <laughs> even, like, they did not want him in
1: the store. Yeah, they would have said he cannot be on the premises he can't be unless on the premise. there's a, an officer of the law within twenty feet.
0: And what he would do?
1: <laughs> oh no! It's from
0: time to time when the director would yell, "Cut!" Yeah, he would pretend to run away. Yeah, so the cop would be immediately like. And then after like the fifth or sixth time where the cop knew that he was just going to pretend, he really ran, he away. ran away. Madness.
1: <laughs> Madness. I mean, he was, I remember one time in between scenes, I was sitting there with, you You were shooting. Yeah. But we, were, we all had to be there because it's one of those cool <laughs> movies where we're, we're all kind of in the peripheral world. Yeah, we're all in, people are we're moving ensemble. Right. So we all had to be in that Costco every day. And there'd be like hour blocks of like three, four <laughs> hours where some actors were just sitting. Right. And They're the other, lighting
0: something, and you don't even know if you're going to be in it. Yeah.
1: Or you're doing a scene, and I'm not, or whatever. And and I was sitting there with Dax and Andy, and Andy just kept pushing Dax's buttons, right? Like like, like I don't know why. And literally, Dax got up out of his chair, and I had to get up and stand oh between my gosh. them and go, guys. I literally had to stop Dax from probably yeah. opening a can of whoop ass. I, and I almost feel like Andy,
0: Andy's life is like performance art, and I think that just like instigating is part of what he feels yeah. like he wants and needs to do. But he's genuinely one of the funniest people he's that I've so worked with. Funny, yeah. like
1: it, it's he's one of those guys where it oozes out of him. Yeah, and and it's just he has a way of looking at you, or he just like looks at you with this side eye. Yes, or he looks like astonished. Yeah, you just. It just flicks my switch.
0: I was lucky to get him, lucky to get you. I mean, I thought that the cast that they built out was like I thought it was awesome. I remember going to work on that yeah. first day and being like, oh wow, I'm surrounded by very funny people. I'll I'll come off better because you guys were great.
1: It was great. And yeah. you were great. You I mean, Thanks, I, man. I was watching you because this was your first thing. This yeah. was like the, I've been there. I've I got to be the lead in a That's movie right. too. And it's a lot to carry. And yeah. You came in every day, professional, prepared, to you're nice home. to everybody. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were, you were great. Yeah,
0: me, man. Andy. We had a good time. We had a
1: blast. And, uh, <laughs> Let's see. Hope... Maybe
0: we'll make that sequel, dude. <laughs> dude we might all be, be back. Right. You but never Now, in this world Andy? of streaming.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Get... I don't we got to so. really have Andy. Andy in there. It won't be the same. We'll put him in a straight jacket. You know, he'll be on
0: Zoom in a scene from somewhere else. Yeah. We'll get him in there. He works at corporate somewhere else.
1: But you mentioned that you, and I. I remember this, and I, I'll i be honest. I was always impressed by this and always admired you for this because especially in our industry, the trappings are tough. Like in our early years, most of our gigs were in bars that sold alcohol. And you right. always told me you're one of the few comedians, and I think I really picked up on it because – I do it a little bit, but compared to other comedians, you never really drank or got into the drug thing. And I, I don't even know if you've ever had a drink. Have I've you? never
0: had a drink I love ever. that. Never had a drink or a drug in my entire life.
1: You've never had alcohol to your lips? No. Not even in... In church, taking communion, like drinking the wine. No,
0: no. Maybe when I was little, I would, I would probably think if my dad was drinking a Schlitz beer, did he ever like say, "Do you want to yeah. try it?" But I don't remember. That's the best time to drink when you're under seven, right? Well, yeah, 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 you know. <laughs> but no, and just never, I, I, dude. It just never was something I. It just didn't feel like I wanted to participate. Tell, in
1: tell me the theory behind it, because I, I've always had a theory behind why I never did it, but there has to be a deeper theory behind why you didn't because let's face it it alters your brain chemistry yeah. so so yeah. what's the deeper I, well i
0: wanted some brain altering when i was a kid because i was so like um nervous in my own skin even in like junior oh, really? junior high school that you know when you're supposed to like be starting to feel like you're coming through that awkwardness i felt like i was just getting into the awkwardness yeah. and my best friend in junior high school um al del benning you know al oh, al did the, comedy for a lot of years in la al, yeah. he lives over in australia now he was like before school the kid who would like go behind a stop and shop and just like get drunk even before school and i'd hang with him i was How old his buddy was this? we were like 13 or 14 wow. and he was already at that point being like even drunk being like you don't need this you don't need to do what i he wasn't saying you should drink with me he was saying don't you don't have to do i drink because i'm so anxious and scared and yeah he was almost like weirdly being therapeutic as he was like l- l- drinking
1: he was sort of protecting you it sounded like he was metal. he oh, was that's, that's and it gave me sweet.
0: permission to go my best friend says i don't need to do this until i'm comfortable to do it yeah and then by the time i hit high school i was like oh yeah you know what i think part of it too is i grew up watching my dad drink and feeling like you know anytime that that beverage gets involved it seems to throw potential out of whack yeah. So yeah. I didn't think I'd never drink. I just thought, like, for a little while, let me see what I can do yeah. sans alcohol. And
1: have you ever wondered what it felt like? Or have you ever been tempted or come close? Or no. are you just like, I don't need it?
0: No, it's just not anything. even something I, like, rarely will think about to go. If there's ever anything I, th- I wonder about is when I hear people talk about things like ayahuasca, yeah and things like, like as a person who loves fantastical thinking and loves yeah. special effects and stuff I sometimes i look at that and stuff. go stuff yeah that, that like i would do that i think i would yeah. do that if i felt like i was in the right place you know i wouldn't do it if you know if i bought it off the street i yeah, wouldn't yeah, do yeah. like yeah, yeah no no I, you don't so, want to
1: buy it behind a guy at denny's with a you know <laughs> urine crust on his pants his brown pants yeah no
0: yeah, no i that's the only thing that entertains my brain once in a while to go like what would that do to my already crazy thinking.
1: Yeah. You, you know, know, I I had a similar thought that I always said because I, you know, I also have a deep imagination and I thought yeah. what would happen if I layered on you know LSD or I I, I never really considered ayahuasca or whatever it's called, little yeah. ayahuasca because uh, <laughs> I didn't even hear about that till recently. But I always said to like myself, like shrooms
0: and all that stuff, yeah. things that like give you a, an, ex, you know, I listen to other people talk about it and I find myself going, well, that sounds kind of cool. Sort of fascinating.
1: Yeah. yeah. But my, my theory always was I knew I was going to get into stand up and, and kind of into the arts and entertainment. Yeah. And my theory was that, okay, a craftsman or a carpenter has his tools. A politician has this. A car mechanic has his box of tools. Yeah. What is going to be my instrument in life? What right. What am I going to and, and I knew it was this. It was what's encased in my skull, my yeah. brain. And I thought, if I'm going to get anywhere in comedy, I'm going to need to be fast. I'm going to need to be alert. I'm going to need to be sure. sharp. I'm going to need to be present. Yeah. And so do you remember those old commercials when we were younger? Pop pop, fizz, fizz. Oh, Oh, what what a relief relief it is. is. And they'd show that the the Alka-Seltzer, they put it in water and it would start to dissolve. yes So in my head, (laughs) I was always like, every time I take a sip of booze or if I were to do drugs, part of it would fizzle away. Okay. And I would lose my part of my
0: instrument, which
1: I needed to get where I wanted to go in life. But was
0: there ever another side of you that looked at certain people we knew that were like imbibing, and getting high and saying, "My now my brain opens up to, was there ever a part of you that was like, oh, I do know for some people, they seem to be even more wildly imaginative on stage? Or did you always think it kind of slows you down a little bit?
1: You know what? Every time I wanted to go in that direction, I'd see something on A&E like Robin Williams going, oh, for 15 years I was doing cocaine every night, and I wish I didn't because once I got off it, I was the best I was ever going to be. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Like everyone had a tragic story, and God love him, Mitch Hedberg, a guy that I worked with, he, he was really funny and really creative and and i knew he did heroin and it just made me mad right i, I was like I, I just wanted to grab him and go dude you've got a gift you've got and i know that that you know people can't help what what they do or yeah. what kind of trappings i'm not i'm not you know freaking out on the guy but it, it just i i was like god don't do that right. you know
0: yeah looking at that is like seeing it as restricting your your imagination and ability to look beyond it Um, yeah yeah I worked with Mitch when I was in the San Francisco uh comedy contest and I made it to the finals with Mitch and Doug Stanhope and myself and I will tell you like I watched Mitch over the course of maybe like it was a long competition I think we were in it for like six weeks or eight weeks and because I got to watch him week to week it was at a, uh, 97, 98. He was still kind of putting the character together. He was still kind of yeah, piecing yeah. things. And it was really fascinating to watch what I think was a small era of him like really honing in yeah. on what made him so prolific and interesting. Yeah. it was. It was cool. It was one of the first times I remember watching like real artistry from a comic, you know? Yeah. The comics I came up with were like, you know guys guys out of boston and a lot of the humor is just like you know you know fucking if you don't like it you can get the fuck out of it. like it was just real tough and yeah, real like yeah, pirates yeah. and then here was this guy who was like really methodically thinking of things in such a unique yeah. way that i feel uh, fortunate to have seen him do some some gigs
1: yeah yeah i worked with him and uh it was uh, it was it was really fun to watch how his mind like puts stuff together. Yeah. You know, I, I appreciate that kind of comedy, like Stephen Wright and guys like that, yeah. because what they do is they set up a familiar premise that we all know, and like you know, I don't know, one of his jokes is uh, I like to eat rice. If you like to eat uh, ten thousand or something or whatever, right. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. Not yeah. Saying, but he would set up like a a, a common thing and then take you. On a direction yeah. where you didn't see it going, and I, I really appreciated that. And it was
0: only Stephen Wright, I think, that I could kind of, like, see a, uh, like a lineage because Stephen Wright, growing up in Boston, I remember seeing Stephen Wright one time say on stage, um, uh, it's a small world, but I wouldn't want to paint it. And it was one of those things that, like, you, I can't, to this day, if I hear yeah. the word world or I see a globe, yeah. I think of that. Right. You know, just those little things that they could insert. You know, yeah. you can't see a banana without thinking of mitch's frozen banana you know i can't do it it's yeah, yeah, yeah. but there's certain things that they just like boom yeah. forever that'll be a piece of Being his branded on your yeah 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 brain. yep
1: um but your journey like
0: you with quaker oats i can't look at quaker oats without and i can't look at i can't look at it. there's a couple of products that once in a while when you're on one of your dude your tangents like sometimes you go into these places i'm like Was that rehearsed? Was that? But like, there's a couple of products that once in a while you know are like go-to funny words, and I think Quaker Oats. Quaker
1: Oats, really? (laughs) I
0: think you said Quaker Oats one time. Probably. probably. I can't look at Quaker Oats and not be like that Harlan man. You fucking! I thought
1: you meant I looked like the guy on the logo, the old like the old
0: creep, the (laughs) Poltergeist
1: guy. No, not at all. No,
0: you said it one night. You you in one of your like. uh, you're like a, a, what is that like when a rapper does like, you know, uh, uh, off the top, like a, a, a flow or whatever. Like, that's what you get into sometimes. And I think you've gone with a Quaker Oats. Oh, yeah. What haven't like,
1: I uh, gone with? Uh,
0: yeah. Black Tower Heroin into Quaker Oats, yeah. into Jiminy Cricket. And like, just, dude, you, you, man, you're you got a wild imagination, my friend. I just let it roll, man. You do. You let it rip like those farts back on stage that I used to do. <laughs>
1: crop dusting. Get out of here. I, I met a stewardess once or a flight attendant who told me she does that. She says she crop dust. Oh, no, she goes, no, she no. walks up and down the aisle no. and just fumigates the passengers. No, yeah. That's the worst And that's where, that's where first class and economy ends. Like, a fart doesn't care what class you That's are. That's right. It will assault your lungs and nostrils no matter who you
0: are. Um, <laughs> Let's have some quicker oats. Oh, God. I'll Let's go get the it. wig
1: and the hat. <laughs> uh, but I want to talk, too, about your, your journey at the beginning when you came to town. Yeah. L.A., 98, 97,
0: 98. Yeah,
1: because, you know, I've, I've stood back and I've watched your success. I saw where it all started. And then I've also seen, you know, people who have taken shots at you, which I don't like and I don't appreciate. So yeah. I, I want to do a little bit of an exorcism here today, and I want to I want to tell everybody that Dane fucking earned everything he <laughs> got in this industry. And if you don't believe me, I was with you, yeah, every fucking night. All we, those gigs, we were at the Laugh Factory, yeah. So I was there first.
0: Yeah, and watching me piece together my first album, Harmful Swallow. You're seeing in real time starting to come together. But
1: I was there before you were there. And I came to this town just as hungry as you. And so I, the owner of the Laugh Factory, Jamie Masada, who I love, he let me go up at that club every single night. And I was there every night, a warrior dedicated, going up and up and up and working and working. And then another buddy of ours came along.
0: Bob Marley. Bob Marley, who's yep. from Maine. Yep. And People he, go, Bob Marley, white kid from Maine, yeah, Bob Marley. He's,
1: he's a white comedian from, from yeah. Maine. Hilarious. And he went up, and now and now me and him are like, we're just so dedicated, and we're just hammering it. And then about two years later, you show up. Right. And I remember it, you because you, I knew all the comics that came through there. Yeah. And they put you on at midnight. Jamie didn't know you yet. So he put you on That's at midnight. Right, right. And you
0: gave me like six minutes six to minutes, do my thing.
1: And he did that to all the kind of newbies. But yeah. you were the guy that after about half a year, three quarters of a year, goes, you know what? I'm going to push this guy to the 20-minute spots on the late show. Right. It wasn't the midnight show, but it was like the 10.30 That's show. That's right. So now you were doing those, and you were getting a little better and better. You were doing kind of stuff, and I'll be honest, I was watching. Okay, that, the guy's got a, a it's good good energy. There's something <laughs> yeah. there, but I wasn't blown away. And you were you were up there doing the Kool Aid jug smashing through. Oh yeah, were, a lot Kool-Aid. of big
0: bombastic stuff, yeah. and not so much about written material or stories at that time.
1: Regardless, it, it it was just it was like I could see you were there, but I I wasn't like blown away. And right, then, and then you got moved to like. The the early regular shows where kind of the primo guys would go. And I remember Dane, one day I walked in, and this was after years of watching you every freaking night. Right. One day I walked in and I just went, oh. And then the next night I went, oh, and I saw you make your flip. Right. From Dane the guy looking for it, Dane the guy working it relentlessly. Yeah. And I'm gonna I wanna stress that because fucking dane worked his ass off everybody (laughs) and and i'm i'm sick and tired of people like taking shots at you (laughs) you fucking earned everything you got i watched it and if you need backup ask bob marley he was there too but anyways (laughs) you you kind of (laughs) flipped into this zone where it was just like wow and you were there right and you i just want people to know you earned every second of it. And I remember you told me you lived right by this club. You I, yeah. you, you were like, you, you were within walking distance.
0: I did. I walked to the club.
1: And I used to think, I don't think I've ever told you this. I okay. used to think of you as Apocalypse Now guy because you used to tell me you used to go home And you lived in kind of this gothic-looking building. It looked like a Transylvania (laughs) castle almost. It was like really kind of old manor. Yeah, Yeah, it was really cool. And you used to tell me that you would just go in there and fucking work and write and sit in your living room. And you and then you'd stay in there all day. And you'd walk to this club, go home, and Dane, you you worked for everything you got, and you kicked ass. Yeah, man. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was, it was true. It was
0: really seeing that it was like you, you come to LA and you have kind of a few moments where people check you out. And that first moment didn't seem to impress anybody. And so I knew my Avenue wasn't going to be like, come along kid. We're going to take you for the ride. Yeah. There was no golden horseshoe moment for me. It was like. I'm going to have to figure out how to cultivate and build a uh, an, an act and an audience on my own. Yeah, And I really did that from that spot, man. Those those yeah. gigs, those nights. I looked at the animosity years later as, well, first of all, I never liked seeing comics go after other comics because only we know the sacrifice of being a stand-up comedian. That's right. Even it's your listeners. It's a lot. It's You give up so much and what you need, what you're really fulfilling inside of yourself for a number of reasons. I never understood why there was any hostility because there's room for every comic. There's no one comic that goes like, all right, now the door's closed for other. Yeah. There's everybody can have a moment as long as you work hard enough to get yourself to that place. So I never, I never, I never got it.
1: I'll tell you what it was. Okay. It, was it was jealousy. It a was little of that. And not a little. It was pure out-and-out out jealousy because you, you came in, and as you said, you were just another guy in the mix. But I'm going to say it again. You worked your fucking ass off True. to get to that guy you needed to be to kick right. it to the next level. And not everyone, like you said sacrifices and gives up so much right it's
0: only the true warriors that right. want it and you That's true. you want it and
1: you went and got it
0: I'll, and i will say that i appreciate what you're saying and i also understood it took me a long time that some of the people that weren't willing to work hard enough were the ones that were probably saying some of the things that were the most uh you know toxic against You know, media is.
1: But there were also guys that were that were um, you know well established that were doing it, and I recognized it immediately as just jealousy because you didn't just like step up. You, as you know, you exploded. You're one of those rare comedians that had an explosive moment, and there's no shame in it. There's there's no like. Bowing down to it, you 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 went, you wanted it, you we, went for it, and you took it, and you got it. And we, That's beautiful. We had
0: a lot of um, nights though at that club where, as I was trying to figure it out, you guys were killing. So when I came in, and you guys were already like me and Bob, dude, it was yeah. you, it was Bob, it was Freddie Soto, it was yeah. uh, Soto, it it was there was like six or seven Murderers Row guys that right. Mitch, um, uh, there was like. Oh, yeah, Mitch Mullaney. Mitch Mullaney. God
1: rest him. Great guy. Crushing,
0: crushing. And I'd come from, ready? I went from um, Boston where all the guys that didn't make it in Hollywood in the Rob Williams era all came back to Boston, but they were crushing because they were that good, but they didn't didn't make it in L.A. So I come up under guys crushing. Then I go to New York City crushing. Everybody who's up there, young Chris Rocks and all those guys that are – so now I'm like, everywhere I went, it's like, if I don't jump into this stream, so then I come out to LA, and that first year, man, I felt like I felt like I was in slow-mo behind you guys, because I would watch you go up, I'd watch... If you guys went up back-to-back, back and I knew I was on that show, I was like, what do I do? Yeah. What do I do at this point? Because you guys were so solid in your routines, and also you were becoming... You especially were like, in your moment, yeah. where I knew people were there to see you, I'm going like, how can I dovetail off harlan's success to go hey hopefully you'll support me as well you'll dig yeah. dig what i do so yeah, it, it was awesome man it put it helped to really put me it put the fuel in my tank being at that club with you guys
1: yeah it was a great time and yeah. tell me tell me about that process when you would go back to dracula's castle when you you i, I know you <laughs> didn't go back home at night after gig and go to sleep
0: i went you, to myspace
1: but in your apartment
0: that was it okay. it, was, it was see okay so my space was already starting to come into fruition right around 2000 previous to that you remember like AOL instant messenger yeah. which was like okay so i had a You've website got mail. i had yeah. that yeah. And, and people i would allow people to send me mail oh. i would allow people to instant message me i made that private um you know handle public okay and i would go home and i would quite literally sit there not just all night for 4 years basically I did this yeah. for 22 hours of the day and if you wrote me I, I wrote you back yeah. I asked you where you were from I asked you a little bit about whatever and then I would send you a link to stand up that I had recorded like on a whatever on a device and uploaded yeah. I would go to people ready this is how like obsessed I was with finding my fans if somebody was had written me I would save their tab if I saw it was their birthday I would write them and say, I see it's your birthday today. I just want to wish you a happy birthday. And so I was building out this secret underground fan base. Yeah. And then they were the ones who were like, you should come to a show in fucking Tampa. You should come through Tempe. You should." Come. And I would start booking based on where maybe like 20, 30, 40 people said they wanted me to come right. to do a show. And I toiled for four years after the Laugh Factory. I'd go home. Didn't drink. Didn't party. Yeah. Just go home. You didn't and go out to the clubs. Nothing. nothing, zero.
1: And that's what I mean. You went into this like dark Dracula like castle. You, <laughs> you, 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 go. You, you, you know. It's called show business. It's show, and yeah. then there's business. And yeah. what what you did was very business sense and business minded. But even though you did all that to help bolster what you were doing, right. You still had the act and the funny. And the energy and the persona and right. the material. You were yeah. very prolific. I'd go in and see you do new stuff almost every All night, every week. Yeah. And so I'm going to say this because it pissed me off. I saw you on another podcast or two over, okay. the, over the time where I saw you like sort of apologize. You went, oh, I went and I had the spiky hair and I had the, <laughs> you know, the tight jeans. And I'm right. like, folks... Dane Cook no longer, (laughs) he's not apologizing anymore. He earned where he fucking is, he earned everything he did no more fucking apologies. That's it. And that cause I'm following your lead on yeah. this. I love it. Thank you, buddy. Dude, I love you. No, buddy. Nobody you, has the right to, to make you apologize or do anything like that. I, I and it. again, I was fucking there. I, I know. saw it every night. Yeah. Yeah.
0: First, first and foremost is like we came up together. You're really yeah. part of that graduating class that I yeah. had. And so in, hearing in that from you means LA. a lot. Yeah, well, for sure.
1: You know what it, it, I've I've talked to you, you know, about it here and there when we've hung out, but but just I I guess I just you know, in this recent kind of era of podcasts, I saw a couple where you were sort of a little bit apologizing about things. And no, you don't have to. You you don't need to. Even though
0: some of the things I was wearing back there I owe people an apology. (laughs)
1: Not gonna let it not gonna let (laughs) Dude, you you were you were hot, you were energetic, you were, yeah. you were exuding a sexuality that a lot of comics can't, or oh. don't know how, or wish they could. And I think yeah. that played into some it, of the jealousy.
0: totally played and into... so you,
1: you, I saw especially the other day where you had a black like tank top on, and you were doing like alien noise, and it was great. Right. And it's like, that, no more apologies. You're done apologizing. It. It's the, Dane. We have
0: nothing more to say. Dane is except... Dane. Except... I told you. Yep. Dane kicked ass <laughs> and F you if you don't like it, right? Okay, I'll go. Oh, yes. Now, let's switch
1: gears to dinosaurs. I, I love dinosaurs. I knew you would. Let's talk them. about them.
0: Yeah, T-Rex. T-Rex? Yeah. Why do you like T-Rex, bro? You went <laughs> I, right to the T-Dog. Yeah, because they, there's because there's something about them that, yeah, it's like, I don't know, they're big and scary, and yet there's something about it, like you'd want one as a pet. You feel like if you raised it from when it was a, oh, what, were they, what would a baby t tea, No, a but teabed. what would it be? it's not a cub a it's not a, a tea bag yeah a yeah. tea pole yeah a maybe a tea, tea pole like yeah, a tadpole. <laughs> there's just something about them that i always like when jurassic park came out i remember being oh. like i'm not scared of that like i would like to i would like to floss feel like teeth. you floss its teeth that's yeah, exactly yeah. what i was gonna say and maybe pour, pour some crust intense in its mouth and it, <laughs>
1: wait what, what's that well because crust uh, intense yeah what's you, that
0: i do i know a lot about um uh, dinosaur dental stuff, and okay. they had nasty halitosis, those um, T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> Can
1: you
0: imagine? Yeah, they had nasty uh, dentali- Dentalosaurus dental, <laughs> is what it was.
1: <laughs> imagine being a Brontosaurus, one of those giant things, and you get eaten by a fucker with gum disease. Like, it's, it's already just... Humiliating enough that you get eaten by What's your a favorite thunder dinosaur? lizard.
0: What's yours? I don't know. <laughs> you know, you know some random one that I've never heard of.
1: I think I like. You remember those things? I think they were called Stegosaurus, With or the... no, Allosaurus, and they they, they, they were the, they looked like like a, a tank, but then on the end they had a, a tail, and there was a big ball, like a mace, end, like a rock, or I something. know that. Yeah. yeah,
0: that seemed that seemed pretty fucking cool. Yeah, I mean, if I, I had, had all me... these action figures when I was a kid of yeah. all these things.
1: Like, if I had one of those today, I would open a construction business and just, like, knock down old buildings <laughs> with that
0: tail, you know? <laughs> I need everybody cleared out from 5 a.m. to yeah. 8. I'm going to bring <laughs> in the my dinosaur.
1: <laughs> um, if you could go back in time, like we talked about time machines earlier, would you go back and want to see the dinosaurs, or would you be scared?
0: If I only had one opportunity to Time Machine for like a day and then I was no longer allowed access oh, okay. to said Time Machine, yeah. then I'd probably, if I could pick any era, I've always wanted to see like the Rat Pack live, like Vegas. Really? Frank and Dean and Jerry. To me, I don't know why I always go to that. But what? if I had a second day, I'd go see some dinosaurs. Wow, let's yeah. see that. It'd I be- love Rat Pack shit. Really? Yeah, man. They were singing and dancing but, and making fun of each other and busting balls. They had women broads, they used to call them. They're just drinking and partying and they were in Vegas. Tell me that wasn't one of the and I knew Jerry. I was very close with Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis. I got Hello. a lot of I got some stories. Hello. But tell me that that era, like seeing them knowing what they became especially, that'd be fun.
1: So you'd take seeing the rat pack over possibly going back and watching the crucifixion of Christ.
0: I don't need to be there well, for that, yeah, really. I feel like that would not be like if I know me, i'd be I'd be behind everybody, and then I go, I know how this story ends. Let me find some food. I'm getting a little bit. Of, let me find some of that lasagna Wait. that that the Manson family started near the
1: Are you telling me at the crucifixion they had snack carts? They did. They did.
0: Yeah, they had, they had falafels over there, and they had pizza some... Pizza
1: get your pe- hot dog. Pizza. Get your hot dog before the crown of thorns goes on. Get the your hot dog. Um, I saw Sinatra live. You did? Well, that Does that piss you off? No.
0: No, I told you I knew Jerry, so I was really close with Jerry, and I've seen some uh, never-before-seen footage knowing Mr. Lewis. Oh God, what, I, was, what was uh, Frank like?
1: I have a good Jerry Lewis story that you'd probably love, but but Sinatra was I went to um, I went to Vegas like way back in the 80s. I went down there with Norm McDonald and, oh and a bunch of other Canadian comedians for stand-up? We just went to go to Vegas. We'd never been, so a bunch of us, like 15 of mm. us, got on a plane and and we all went, and Norm just disappeared. Every time I'd walk past the the uh, poker table, Norm would just be sitting there. He looked like he was in a coma, like playing poker. Okay, he was, he was a poker fanatic. I didn't even know how to play poker. So,
0: and do you remember the hotel this was at? Because yeah. a lot of them were famed, and now we're not there. But.
1: Yeah, it was the. It, believe it or not, right across from Caesar's Palace yeah. on the Strip was a Holiday Inn. This was in the '80s, and the guy who booked it all was a cheap wow. wad. So we were in the Holiday Inn. It okay, was, it was sort of nice, but it was a Holiday Inn. Okay, on the strip. On the strip. It's wow. gone now. Now I think it's called the Imperial Palace. Or, and where
0: was Frank? Do you remember the hotel? So he might Frank
1: have... was at the Riviera. Ah, so man. we go to the Riviera, and one cool. of the comedians that, so cool. that I was with was this guy named Eric Tunney. He's since passed, but he was great. He was he was. Very, like, starkingly handsome, and he slicked his hair back. He looked like Chris Isaac, you know, that singer? Yeah, yeah.
0: Wicked uh, game.
1: Yeah, and he, he wore the blazer, and, he, he and, and you know, we go to see Sinatra, and he walks up, and somehow he just instinctively knew how to do this, and he goes, hey, and he, he just reached out and handed the maitre d' some bucks. Okay. And the maitre d' just went, yes, sir, and he took us <laughs> right to the front <laughs> of the stage. There was a red leather horseshoe booth. Oh, I love booth. this. yeah. And we sat there, and there was Frank, and he with an orchestra. Uh no, this no. Is, I think there were a few, there were a few players on stage, but it wasn't the full orchestra. Okay, it was recorded, but there was a few live musicians. Got it. And one of my favorite moments is he was singing um, "Luck Be a Lady." Mm-hmm. He was doing all the classics, and yeah. he was, he kept shouting out to Barbara, "Hey Barbara, it's a crowd." <laughs> But on on those
0: probably the, no Barbara. It was just part of his yeah, <laughs>
1: But on his one of the speakers, he had a big glass of Jack Daniels, like this huge. Just you could see it in the gold liquid in the ice. Yeah. And Sinatra, I swear to God, we we were laughing our heads off. He 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 uh, he starts singing. He's like, "Luck be a lady tonight." He grabs a thing. and goes. I love booze, luck be a lady. To, like, he just, in the middle of it, says, I love booze, and then took a sip and put it back and kept singing. It was like, wow, it was so funny. But so on this same trip, Jerry yeah. Lewis, yeah, me and all the... Same um, trip. The same trip. So me, wow. and, me and all the other comedians, you know, this was... We're from Canada, so we're, we've never been to a casino. We, we've never seen celebrities. Yeah. Like, this is in the 80s when you know it still wasn't hollywood north up yeah, in canada yeah, yeah. so we go and see a boxing match i don't even think boxing was legal in canada at the time okay so we go to our first boxing match yeah and it's packed it's in one of these giant casinos and and um and all of a sudden the announcer goes i think it was the the let's get ready to rumble guy or something right. like that and he goes he goes, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> in the crowd tonight. This was between fights. Yeah. In the crowd tonight, one of the funniest men in the whole world, Jerry Lewis. And he points, and Jerry Lewis is like, you know, 60 feet away from uh, me and the guys. Yeah. And I grew up on this guy. Of course. He was my Jim Carrey when I was a kid. Mine too, yes. And so I'm like, holy smokes. Jerry Lewis and all the other guys like kind of look at me like seagulls, you know, <laughs> and I go, oh my God, should I go say hi to him? Like I was first time I'd really bumped up to a celebrity. yeah.
0: And this is Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis. Yes. And we're, we're
1: comedians. He's one of the kings of the comedy world. Yeah. And so, so they all go. So it's kind of surprised me. to go. Oh yeah. Go say hi to him. And they like they almost did it in unison, like eight or nine of them. Like, yeah, go, go. Yeah, yeah, go. go, go, go. And I go, in my head, I was going, well, why aren't these guys as excited as I am? Why aren't they going? But I was like, I don't care. I'm going. So I go, okay. And I, I run over, and Jerry's sitting there with a gorgeous woman, and he's got a security guard, a uniform security guard. And I walk up to the security guy, and I go, sir, may I say hello to Mr. Lewis? Yeah. And, and the guy goes, um, yes, go ahead. <laughs> and, so, and, and so I step in a little bit toward Jerry, and, I, and he looks up, and I go, Hello, Mr. Lewis. Uh, I'm a, I just wanted to say I'm a huge fan. And I reached out, and he reached up. He goes, Thank you very much. He shakes uh-huh. my hand. I'm like, Wow, this is great. And then that moment ended, and I was so starstruck. I just was staring at him, and I go, So, how you doing? <laughs> and he looked away, and he didn't even – he just goes, Take a seat. <laughs> He just—he didn't even look at me. Just goes, take a seat. And I was standing there, like, like the kid from the Christmas story yeah, movies, yeah. you know. And I'm just like, my eyes were almost running like fried eggs. And I was like, did he just fucking tell me to take a seat? In my head, like it's like two worlds collided. Right. Like my childhood hero, and then he just basically told me to fuck oh. up. I go back to the seat, and they go, "How was it?" And I go, "He told me to take a seat," and they all burst out laughing, and they go. Don't you know he's known as the biggest asshole in the entertainment <laughs> industry? I went, you pricks! And so, so that but he shook me. your hand. He shook my hand. Oh my so God. I got. So he set me up just to fucking sting me. But that kind of followed me around in my comedy career with the Canadian guys for, for about a decade. Right? The running judge was take a seat when they'd uh, see me. That wild? I,
0: I love that. There's so many great stories like that of Jerry, because by the time I met him. He was 85 or 86, and he really had chilled out. And so, all those stories that he still could be intense, he had an intensity, but I will tell you, man, he was so loving to me.
1: Oh, good. We talked
0: almost every Sunday, and he would call me up. We would talk about comedy, we would talk about stand up. And he would call me his son. He was like, "We consider wow. you family. You're my son, my boy." I'd call him every Sunday. Hello, it's the Jew in the desert. I want to talk to my boy. Wow, and that's we amazing. we would talk. Yeah, man, he was. Uh, wow. And I got to finally ask him after I said, "I heard you were a real hard ass for a lot of years there." And like wow. you know, he had his philosophy on it like, for whatever that was. But it was like I got to see a side of him. I think that not a lot of people got to see, which was like a. a a much more subdued, yeah. You know what I mean. And his daughter was around Danielle, so he was just a real loving guy. He was great to me.
1: Well, you know what? That's fascinating. Yeah. But you know what's so cool about this industry? My favorite quick Jerry story yeah, was this.
0: About three weeks before he passed away, he called oh. me up and he goes, um, "I'm
1: dying." Hello? He didn't say
0: that. Yet. Okay. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> he said, "He said, my boy, I have good news and I have bad news." And I go, what's the good news, Jerry? And he goes, I wrote a script and you're going to be the lead. And I said, really? And he goes, and he told me a little about it. And I go, wow, this is incredible. I go, and what's the bad news? And he goes, I'm going to direct it. He said that at 90 years old, he was like, "Um, and I said, you are, how are you going to do that? And he told me what his plan was for that. But it was just one of those moments. I'll never not hear him saying, I've got good news and I have bad Bad news. News. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Take a seat.
1: Jesus.
0: (laughs) The script was called take a seat. It (laughs) was about a young boy who came and visited a young handsome Jerry Lewis and he overstayed his welcome.
1: Dude, I was so innocent. I was just no, of course you I was just were. Like, I just like stood there frozen, like a train was coming. I was like, in my head, I was going, "Did he just tell you to take a seat?" And I'm still looking at, and he won't even look at me. He's like,
0: did the other guy usher you out? The the guy who was like, "Of course no, you can."
1: I just stood there, and it dawned on me. You would think
0: then. he would know. Take a seat is the code for get this kid out of
1: here. No, I just kind of went in my head. I kind of went. I rationalized. I went. Yeah, of course this guy doesn't know me. Yeah. What what is he going to do? Well, I just went up to the cottage last week with my daughter and we celebrated. You know, it's like, why would he tell a complete stranger what's going on? Do you think
0: maybe he meant take a seat, like join me and take a seat? No, I
1: wish. I wish. Thank you for rubbing it in even more. Thank you, sir. I'm going to tell you to take a seat, take a toilet seat. How about that? But here's what's so cool about what we do. Okay. Because you know this. We grew up loving movies. Yeah. You know, we grew up loving the genre. We grew up probably. I'm. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm assuming you're like, fuck. I want to be on the silver screen one day. Oh man.
0: Or more than anything, just uh, Saturday Night Live, SCTV sketch. Yeah. Stand up. And
1: just it. to maybe rub shoulders with some of these iconic people. Yeah. So I get, you know, this was when I did the thing with Jerry, I was into stand-up probably a year and a half, okay. maybe two years. Yeah. So I was new. I hadn't moved to the States yet. I was just starting to become a headliner, yeah. me and Norm McDonald, We were kind of on the same trajectory up in Canada. And cut to me moving here, me getting things going, cut to 25 years later, I'm on Conan O'Brien – Doing the show in New York. Yeah. The other guest is Jerry Lewis. No. We do the show. And I did Conan probably 20 times, maybe more. Yeah. Conan, we would always shoot the shit. Sometimes he'd take me to his office. This was the one time after the show he goes, Hey, I'm going back to Jerry's dressing room. Why don't you come with me? So now I go back to Jerry's dressing room. Me and him and Conan are standing there. Mm. Conan's talking to him, and I'm standing there, almost trembling, just dying to go take a take seat, a seat. <laughs> to Jerry Lewis. And I almost told him the story, oh. but I, I couldn't do it. I was just like, you know what? He won't remember. But I was just—I never held resentment. I loved being yeah. in his presence. I mean, I grew up watching that guy in my basement with my sisters. It was—it was amazing. So, yeah. But that's the—that's the fun. Of what we do in the entertainment industry when you end up working with people you never dreamed.
0: Well, it's like, I don't know about you, but that made me more um, growing up and having had experiences, especially in New York, where you'd finally meet somebody that you'd seen on television. And when they were good to you, and then a couple people maybe were just having an off day. But it taught me, like, if I, especially when I meet young comedians, I try to go out of my way to let them know, like, You know, I I appreciate you. I know what you're going through. Right. You know what I mean? I I don't know if everybody's always mindful in that way. People have shit on their mind. I get it. Not everybody's available to be, like, ready to talk with a young comic, you know, in in that moment all the time. But it kind of taught me those lessons of, like... This, we're lucky to do this, so give somebody else that same kind of enthusiasm that you want.
1: I have of dealing with whenever a, a young comic comes up to me and says, Hey, do you have oh any boy. advice? I, yeah, I just look at him and I go, take a seat. Take a seat. <laughs> you knew where I was going with that? I, I did. You, I you were way ahead of it. i seen
0: that a thousand miles away. Did you see it in my eyes? Or <laughs> did, could you just feel it? Even in your body language, you were getting ready to get yeah, into take yeah. a seat mode. Damn
1: um well dude this was so good so the final thing we do on this show okay which i i think you'll enjoy we do a little a little feature called words from a wooden shoe i love this and what we do there's they're I inside this authentic dutch clog yep and i know you love Dutch size clogs. 14 yeah your favorite all right There's words in here, random words, and you're going to reach in, take one, and if it it sparks a story or a memory... This is great. um, Yeah. And that's how we'll close the
0: show out. Okay. How'd you choose the words? I
1: just randomly just plucked
0: made a few up and do you do one too what do we do no
1: just you if you want me to do one i will but yeah i would like that as well i've never been done but you do it first and then i will okay cool you go go first what's your word is
0: it the same word on everyone why do i feel like
1: this is like a? it's for real it's for real uh
0: unexplainable okay unexplainable interesting is a word that would describe standing backstage at Saturday Night Live Ooh. behind the door that we've all looked at, and you wait for the person to walk through when Don Pardo back in the day would introduce somebody. It's Saturday, Saturday Night, Night Live! Live! And I was there waiting for wow. the Don Pardo to say my name. He was still there at the time, and I can hear the band through the door. It's the, it's the beveled glass, and I'm kind of looking through, and it's dark. And I try to explain it, but it's almost unexplainable of that moment where you, there's one producer. She's got her hand on your shoulder, and she's going like this, like, 20 seconds. Whoa. And she's listening. And somebody's feeding her. 10 seconds, take a breath. You're going to be great. Mm-hmm. 10 seconds, and you hear Don Potter go, ladies and gentlemen. And she goes, go, go, go. Dane Cook. In the moment, I got goosebumps, the moment wow. the door opens it's I still have not figured out a way I've written a book and I still in this chapter can't explain what happened to me in the eight steps walking toward the mark really and how I didn't know it was going to impact me I didn't know how deeply emotional I would be even though I had to perform yeah it was almost like I could have gotten sick I was so present in that moment I dreamt about it, man. Seventh grade, I would watch Saturday Night Live what? and wonder what's behind that door. And I think I thought, what's behind that door for my whole life until I was behind that door? And then wow. it all hit me.
1: Wow. That's unexplainable. I did is- a
0: pretty good job explaining it, but there's still a lot that happened in those eight to ten steps. When I see myself walk out and I'm like, nobody will ever know. What was happening in my mind in that moment? So,
1: are you saying that you sort of like blanked out and went into a dream state, or was it vivid or clear? Were you like aware of every single step, or were you like kind of aware? It was as if
0: I. It was as if I always knew and i had always known i was there and i'd already been there and i was just re-experiencing something i don't know if it's because i dreamt it so much and saw it so much wow! but the whole walk was slow motion where ge smith and the band is over here and the keyboard and looking at that mark getting closer and i used to watch the show as a kid i could see the little mark like, i guess that's where they got to stop right on that mark <laughs> and lauren michael standing in the over and i see him where he's standing yeah. in this in the hallway and it's all kind of slow motion and you realize i'm on live television and there's a little kid just like me probably oh. watching this and wondering what wow where did he come from behind that door see. i was behind the door
1: well, that goes back to what I said earlier about you having the drive and the will and the wherewithal to go and get it, mm. and and you deserve that moment. Thanks, and bud. Everything else.
0: What about you, man? Okay. Come on, we got to do it. Then,
1: by the way, folks, this has never been done. It's I love a, this. It's always just the we, you and
0: I are in the never been done before business. That's what we've always this said in our prayer circles.
1: Unexplainable, right here in our prayer circles. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell them about those. God, you want Corey Feldman to come through the door? God, all right, I'm reaching in. What is my word?
0: What's it say? Laughing fit. Laughing fit. What does that make you think of? Oh my God.
1: Laughing fit. There's probably so many. Maybe the okay. F- I've got one. Okay. Oh my God. I when I was in college. There was a guy that owed me money. And I, we talked about this earlier. I, I was not a guy who did drinking or drugs. Right. So in, from, from the time I was 18 to the time I was probably 30, I probably smoked weed seven times. Okay. But there was this guy in college who owed me some money. And he didn't have the money. And he says, hey, man, how about I give you a joint instead? and i was like i don't want to join but i was like okay cuz i knew i knew i was never going to see the money okay. so I was like, at least i'll get something right so my buddy at college bob who was a real we had just the same sense of humor yeah um, he uh, he came over to my uh, apartment in college i rented an apartment with three other guys and uh, where is this? This was in Oakville, Canada. We okay. went to animation college in, right. called Sheridan college. And so we went to my townhouse <laughs> and we were just bored. And I said, Hey, this guy gave me this thing. And he had smoked a little, he goes, let's spark it up. And I was like, ah, he, my buddy's hilarious. <laughs> so we sparked it up and, and of course it started to hit and I just started laughing. Right. But it, it wasn't uncontrollable. It was just like, I'm laughing and then there was a cartoon way back in the 70s called The Wizard of Oz. Okay. And it was a cartoon with the scarecrow, the tin man, everything. Yeah. And the munchkins, instead of having like dwarfs, like little people, there were these little animations of teardrop shapes and triangle shapes. Okay. And there was they had all kinds of them, but instead of speaking words... <laughs> they just talked like this they're like <laughs> okay. you know they, they, they're yeah, like, like gibberish yeah like snoopy remember snoopy now talking, yeah, like, yeah the, or
0: the teacher t- yeah, yeah
1: yeah yeah so it was this weird so we were sitting there and I'm <laughs> laughing and my buddy sees a newspaper this is a day one and I'm laying on the couch and he picks up the newspaper and just casually opens it and starts reading out loud <laughs> and he starts reading like the munchkins yeah and i found this because i was high i was I was dying laughing yeah. so hard
0: that i couldn't breathe right it put you into that next place of like, like i was your scared. laughing yeah
1: I, I ran to the stairs i said you're trying to murder me <laughs> you're to- i accused him of murder i ran upstairs it took me about four minutes to just get my breathing back <laughs> yeah I came back downstairs, like water running down my eyes. I laid down on the couch. He's still sitting there. And I said, okay, read some more. (laughs) Like, I just, I loved it. Because how often do you laugh that hard? Right. And I repeated that about four times. And that was... (laughs)
0: Probably, I almost I st- I, I almost died. Was that a person that supported you in your stand-up when you first started doing stand-up comedy, Bob? Oh, yeah. Bob. Bob Bob's
1: everything. He, yeah. he, me and him, our, our sensibility, our sense of humor, okay. we, we just supported each other. We I we did it. everything together. That's so, cool, man. <laughs> and I support you, and you support me. Absolutely. And, uh, My
0: racquetball buddy.
1: Yeah, me and Dane play racquetball all the time. really and, good. Oh, thank you, buddy. Well, you're you're getting better every
0: single time we I play. I have to. Yeah. If I want to yeah. play with you. I got
1: We got better. it, but it's a riot. But um uh before we go, yeah. let's talk about your special and talk about yeah, it's a you shot it up at your house and can can I say something about it before yeah. Because I've seen Dane's special. He invited me to the premiere at the Man's Chinese Theater. Yeah,
0: TCL now, Chinese TCL, Theater.
1: TCL, KFC, <laughs> TCL. And that's the famous theater with all the concrete footprints yeah, yeah, and yeah. everything. Star
0: Wars famously open there.
1: And coincidentally, we had the premiere for Employee of the Month that's at right. that. By the way, which you helped me fulfill one of my Hollywood dreams because one of my dreams when I got into this racket was to always, I always said, I want to do a premiere at the man's
0: Chinese theater. Cause right. that's
1: where all the big Marilyn Monroe yeah. and all the famous, it's still
0: the place you want to open anything. It's the film place. Wise, yeah. So
1: out of all the movies I've done in my career, that's the one that we did the premiere yeah, there. So it. thank you for that. Yeah. But then yeah. you did your special there recently. You premiered your special and I saw you standing there on the red carpet and it was a proud <laughs> moment and we watched your special in there. And I, I told you, I said, Hey, Dane, Here's my honest opinion. Love it. Because I, I didn't want to BS you because that you don't gain anything from I that. I was so
0: happy when you said that.
1: So I said, hey, you shot it at your house, which is an unusual forum for a stand-up special, but you're talking to a guy who shot one of his specials in out the in desert. the desert <laughs> with no audience. <laughs> So I watched it, and I was sitting there and for about the first four or five minutes. I was like, "Oh, I don't know if I'm connecting to this." That the house setting feels a little foreign to me. I, I like, I I didn't hate it, but I was like, I was like, I don't know if I'm yeah. drawn in yet. You
0: didn't ease into that. You were right. like unsure.
1: But in, in after watching it all, I'm glad because what happened is at about the four or five minute mark, your first bit, if I can, I yeah. won't say stalker what it bit. is. Yeah, I know no. stalker but, story. But it refers to a, a really funny, weird event that happened at your your house right. where we're watching you perform right and so what it did it became very personalized and your story drew me in but not only that your comfort level at your house and then on top of that the material and the writing this is about a 12 minute bit yeah and i just sat back and went that is not easy to do and you just drew me into your special and and it was really neat because it wasn't like boom i'm here at first, I was trepidatious, and then I got yeah. drawn in, and I loved being there.
0: It was almost hard to edit the beginning because part of me wanted to get right into something fast, yeah. but in the edit, it fe- and I tried that, but in the edit, I felt like the original beginning I had, which is what I used, yeah. was like, oh, this feels like I'm easing people into it and yeah. settling in because it is unusual yeah. to, to do a show like this it, yeah. for a number of reasons. Um, but sitting in there and watching the show and... Being there with a lot of friends and a lot of comics and people I've known for a lot of years, ups and downs in Hollywood. Yeah, to have people come up, have like a, a a party to celebrate this you know this dream come true moment was so so cool. I always wanted to film it there. I moved into my home twelve years ago, and I sat there in the first week of living there, and I and I actually had like a soothsayer moment where I was like, I'm going to film something here on this porch someday. Wow. And um, to finally have that fulfilled is awesome, man. People are, people are loving it.
1: Good. Well, tell everyone where they can see it or how they can access it. Yeah, it's
0: easy right now. It's just on danecook.com com, yep. And uh, that's it. Just okay. go right to my website. If it goes beyond that, I'm sure you'll hear about it. But for now, I'm just going to direct to my fans through danecook.com
1: Folks, Watch this special. It is such a fun ride. <sighs> and, uh, Oh, it's just, it's, it's, it's great, Thanks, man. Congratulations. Thanks, and, man. And anything else, uh, your social media or anything else you want to...
0: TikTok is really kind of like the hub right now, so I've okay. been doing that. But YouTube is coming in hot. So YouTube, uh, Dane Cook, TikTok, Dane Cook. And um, I would just say for the next year, if you follow me on there, I'm doing a documentary, and we're going to be putting pieces of it behind the scenes of what we're actually shooting the doc for. So it's almost like a rolling... Uh, hype machine that we're creating leading up to next fall a documentary I'm releasing Wow! Yeah, so if you follow me you get to see like fragments of what it is that I'm putting together figure out the puzzle with me
1: little cock teaser
0: yeah Yeah. exactly I never thought I'd be able to say that about myself but I'm teasing cock
1: are you cheating on the logo is that what you're doing (laughs) Um, last thing before you go and I would only let you do this Okay. you and Jerry Lewis but I'm going to stand up and once I stand up I think you know what to say. Hang on. Let me get all the way up, and I'll ask you one question. Hi, Mr. Cook. How are you? Take a seat. <laughs> still hurts. <laughs> it still hurts. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Dave Cook on the Harlan Highway. Thanks for being here, and until next time, look for the unexplainable and chicken chow
0: mein, baby. I love you, buddy. Love you, buddy. Thank you. (laughs)